Welcome to the Business Sense with Brad podcast, where we talk about the latest trends that impact businesses and nonprofit corporations. For more information, go to businesssensewithbrad.com. On today's episode, we will try to answer the question, is the law of the lid real? The law of the lid was first introduced in John C. Maxwell's best-selling 1990s book, The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. This law states that leadership ability or entrepreneurial ability is the lid that determines a person or business's effectiveness. In other words, uh, a leader or entrepreneur will only have a maximum capacity to be successful. The higher this lid or ceiling, the more a business can grow. So the main question we'll ask is, is this law actually real? My guest today is none other than Rodolphe Pierre-Louis, founder and CEO of Action VFX. Action VFX provides visual effects for Hollywood movies, video games, Netflix series, and beyond. For example, their work has been used in Spider-Man Far From Home, Call of Duty, and Stranger Things. Rodolphe is also a resident for Founders Forge, which is a nonprofit that helps underdog entrepreneurs in Johnson City, Tennessee. All right, on the podcast today is Rodolphe Pierre Louis, hereafter Roe. And I hope I'm saying that right. You are, you are. All right, wonderful. Um, and Roe is the CEO and founder of Action VFX. Uh, and when I tell my friends what Action VFX is I don't do it justice. I say that you blow stuff up for Marvel movies, but I know that you do so much more than that. <laughs> and so, uh, so I guess before we even get into uh, talking about entrepreneurship, could you just give a, uh, give us your personal background and then how you came to found VF Action VFX? Yeah. So originally, I'm from Haiti. That's where I was born and grew up when I was around ten. My dad got us a video camera, and that was when I realized that, wow, I can make movies in with just having a camera, because I always loved movies before then, but uh, at that moment, I felt like, okay, movies is my calling. So that's kind of how I got introduced to that world. And then as a kid, I was always very entrepreneurial as well, even before I even really knew what a business was. I remember in middle school, for example, I used to sell gum at middle school and, you know, had some pretty good profit margins from that, from that gum, gum selling business and stuff. So, so that was always me just being a, a kid that was into film and entrepreneurship. I love just going out and, and trying something myself and building something, something myself. So, so yeah, uh, fast forward to a few years when I was in college. I was mainly freelancing at the time, making videos for people, mainly music videos, did some commercials, but mainly was doing music videos. But then I also had a YouTube channel online. It was called Ready Polis. And the channel basically was me doing tutorials for visual effects stuff and started building up a little audience there. Nothing super crazy, but once, you know, started having, you know, regular people following the channel. I kind of, you know, like most entrepreneurial minded people, you know, if you have an audience, it's very natural to then say, oh, okay, well, what, how can I monetize, you know, this, this hobby of mine? And, you know, obviously the idea made sense to, hey, well, 
I usually make some effects for myself to use in my own freelance projects. So what would it look like to make effects that other artists and other filmmakers could use because then they wouldn't have to spend the time and effort in making something themselves. They could simply buy my stock effects, so to speak, and you know use it in their own projects. So that was way back in 2011. So, but that was my first experience really releasing a product in that space and then hey, people started buying it it was a very cheap product so i wasn't making a living off of it or anything but it was enough to be like hey maybe i'll do another one and then another one and then fast forward five years from then in 2015 i guess four years from then in 2015 that's when i had the idea to do action vfx you know i view action vfx that's kind of like the evolution of what i was already doing but just on a much bigger scale because it was like okay well let's actually go after the the hollywood market you know what sort of effects could could you know i be producing that someone at the highest level of production whether they're working on a disney marvel netflix or or wherever that they would actually be able to use that and want to use that so so that's kind of when the vision kind of shifted a little bit it was essentially okay it's time to level up like you've had enough practice for the past four years doing this on the small scale so it's kind of time to time to level up so so i started working on action vfx in 2015 and then in june 2016 that's when we officially launched to the public and and yeah it's been it's been a good run so far and can't complain. We've done some cool stuff. All right. So how did you end up in Johnson City then and select that as your home still? Because you are, you know, you've had a chance, you're making effects for Hollywood and whatnot. Mm -hmm. uh, why Johnson City? Yeah, it's like, so the reason I ended up in Johnson City is my dad did go to Emmanuel Seminary. And I believe that's part of Milligan now. And yeah, and for those of you that don't live uh, around here, that's Milligan University's in uh, near Johnson City, so we're in East Tennessee. Yeah, so that's kind of how I ended up in in this area, because I did my senior year of high school in Johnson City, and then I went and moved to Miami for college. So that's where I did a lot of my freelancing. That's where I was when you know I started, you know, selling VFX online. And after college, I decided to move back to Tennessee. And in, the plan was to move back briefly because my parents were still living here at the time. They're no longer here. But I felt I didn't really want to start off my life in Miami because I already was doing stuff online. And I knew I, I technically didn't have to live somewhere specific. And as a brand new college, like right out of college, I knew Miami was a very expensive place to live. And I thought, hey, you know, I don't want to start my life in debt. Let me move to the cheapest place I know of. <laughs> and that was Johnson City, Tennessee. And originally, I wasn't planning on staying too long. That was in 2014 that I moved back to Johnson City. But honestly, I like, started meeting people and getting connected. And I really felt like it's a city with a lot of, with a lot of opportunity. It's like, because you can see the growth happening and there's... It's like it's fresh grounds. And I think the part of me that loves entrepreneurship loves that. Like it's it's cooler for me to be part of 
establishing something rather than to just go to someplace that's already fully established. So it's been, yeah, I've been really enjoying it. And with starting Action VFX, it's been great because, I mean, a lot of our business model literally requires us to, you know, blow things up and shoot guns and burn things down and stuff. And there's definitely the space to, to do it around here. And I mean, we still do everything legally. We still get, you know, permits and things like that. But the red tape is definitely a lot less than if we're in a bigger city. So, so yeah, honestly, it's been working out really well for us being here. And then a lot of our team is from, you know, ETSU, like the digital media program there. So that was the biggest concern, like, well, can we find people that know enough about visual effects to be able to grow the team and stuff? And I mean, it's, we still struggle to some degree for the very experienced positions, but, you know, half of our team right now, I would say, do come from the ETSU and stuff. So, so yeah, it's been, a, it's been a great city for us to be in. Like, I don't have any plans right now to move. Uh, the business from Johnson City. We have fiber internet, so we're able to still do all the things and connect with our clients and stuff. So, so yeah, I can't complain, honestly. I used to work in uh, Battle Creek, Michigan and Kalamazoo, but Battle Creek especially had hard time uh, attracting clients, especially to like Kellogg's. Kind of like what you're talking about here, where it's like you, you have ETSU as your pipeline for skill, but then also do you uh, have you had to relocate people here or is it a hot, kind of a hard sell to lo relocate someone here? Or have you not had to do that yet? Uh, it hasn't happened yet. We, yeah, it just hasn't happened yet. I'm sure it will happen possibly as soon as this year, but, but yeah, it, it hasn't happened yet for us. All right. Yeah. You probably have to find a like-minded, uh, let's build this from the ground up kind of mm -hmm. mentality versus, you know, you don't have that, all the infrastructure, I guess. Around. Yeah. Not yet for sure. And which, I mean, with COVID happening, there's definitely a lot of, you know, people moving to smaller cities and working remote and stuff. And I know Johnson city has definitely been getting a lot of transplants from other bigger cities in the past year or so. And and yeah, so I think something like that is actually, I think it's an easier sell for us post-COVID than before COVID because the idea of moving to a smaller city and working remote is so normal now that it'd be like, hey, well, you can still move to a smaller city. You just won't be working remote because we're here in this city. So so I have hope that it will it will happen soon. All right. Let's kind of shift gears now towards the entrepreneurship aspect of our conversation. So there's Founders Forge, which is, I guess we, we can explain that first to the audience, because normally when you're looking for like a, I don't know, a pro business incubator or something, mm -hmm. normally you would think of a college or like a chamber of commerce. So how does Founders Forge in Johnson City, how is that different and then, okay, so Founders Forge is not a part of Action VFX. It's its own entity, if you will. So could you explain that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so Founders Forge is a nonprofit that I'm part of in Johnson City. And basically our mission is to build a startup ecosystem in this area. And really that comes from the fact that community at the end of the day is very helpful for, for anything that you're doing. If you, a lot of people truly don't believe that you know, entrepreneurship, you know, startups, high growth startups, they don't feel like that's something that can be done here. And that's because they don't, 
necessarily see a lot of it. They like it's hard to think something is possible if you don't really see a lot of it. And a lot of people are doing things, but it's all disconnected. I remember when I was building Action VFX, it's not like I had a, you know, now I have a good social network of fellow entrepreneurs and fellow tech founders. But back then it was just me and my team figuring this out on our own. So, so the goal with Founders Forge is to really foster a startup ecosystem in this area to show people that, hey, yes, it is possible to, that it can be done here, but also to help people make it happen. And the ways we do that is we have boot camps that you can join. We have the startup boot camp, and that really can help you validate your idea and really teach you some of the steps to getting started. We also have different events like the Founders Meetup, just a good way to one, connect with other entrepreneurs, but also to learn from whether it's the speaker or just learn from each other. We have pitch night. That's something we do um, like once a month on Thursday nights where you can come practice your pitch, get ideas from other people on, you know, how to improve your pitch. And so it's just been really cool to bring everyone together that's wanting to start something and to show them that they're not alone and they they can do it and it's possible to do it here at a high level. Yeah. And it's been really nice for me, uh, especially at the, uh, being a professor, cause I'm in the classroom so much and it's like, wait, I need to go connect with people that are actually, <laughs> uh, you know, doing this today not, you know, Hey, 10 years ago when I was, you know, in business. So, uh, it's been really refreshing for me to be, uh, participating mm-hmm. in the Founders Forge events too. So um, now let's kind of shift. So now that we're talking entrepreneurs, there's this law of the lid and I let you mm-hmm. uh, or was sharing some information with you on this earlier because this, so for example, this comes from John C. Maxwell, who there's there's all kinds of theorists out there. He's more of a popular press writer. Like he's got like, he's probably got hundreds of books out there. Mm-hmm. And this one always stuck out to me and maybe because it was personal, And so this law of the lid is decades old, or at least one decade old, if not longer. But it's this idea that entrepreneurs are kind of capped. Like, so for example, if you're going up against another entrepreneur, you might have a, I don't know if it's an internal leadership capability Mm -hmm. or the idea of this law of the lid is he gives the example of how McDonald's was founded and the original founders only could take it so far and they just didn't have enough entrepreneurial ability to take it to that next mega franchise level. Mm -hmm. And that's where Ray Kroc came in and took over. So I guess, have you seen this law of the lid in action with entrepreneurs that you've worked with, or do you think it's even real? Because he basically just says it's real. Yeah. but yeah, like I 100% thinks it's real. It's something I've, you know, had to notice in myself. And I think when I first found about it, I actually found it from a good friend of mine, mentor Dave McCauley, and he recommended the book for me. I think it was 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. And so I was, I think I was maybe a year, a year or two into Action VFX when I read read the book and the love the lid was I'll say it's the one that stuck with me the most I think the other one was like the law of momentum that was the second one that stuck with me but yeah the law of the lid is it is so true and it is the main reason why I learn so much and commit myself to self-improvement as much as I do is in realizing that 
not hundred percent. Like the organization is not gonna go any further than my abilities. That's just you know I've I've noticed it, and like over the years, because I've been seven plus since I was seventeen. You know, when I look back on problems I would face then and how I would go about solving them. Now, if I had the same problems, it'd be like, oh, you don't you even have a problem. That's like a minor inconvenience. That's not a problem. You can do this, this, and this and get set up here. But then very inexperienced me, you know, would struggle. And the thing is, you can only get the results that you're good enough to get. And that's kind of how I feel about it. Yeah, so so no, like I, I fully do believe that action VFX is not going to go past my abilities to lead. Like it's not gonna go past my vision, for example. Like sometimes you can just have you, your vision is too low. You know, if your vision is too low, you will you can effectively do your low vision, right? But you're not going to go do something huge it's kind of like the mcdonald's example you were saying these guys they were happy with what they were doing they were getting the results they wanted to go except you know ray Kroc saw the oh it could be so much more and he had to do that so so yeah i i fully believe in the law of the lid and i mean my personal goal is to just keep on improving myself so that the organization can stop you know bouncing on 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 my lid you know and and so far it's been working out and and yeah that's why i always encourage all of the leaders on on my team because we're at that point now because we're about we're less than 20 people but more than 15 and it's kind of the stage where we you know have like team leaders and so we've kind of reached that point and i also know that no leaders department is going to be higher than them that's just it's essentially once you, yeah, they're the ceiling of that department. Therefore, I want them to have a high ceiling. You know, I want them to be, you know, reading books and taking courses and taking time to really improve us themselves because that's going to help their department grow. And me in turn also need to keep doing that because the higher I can lead, the higher I can achieve, so to speak. All right. And I, so what do you think? Cause he, he mentions that this law of the lid can be worked on. And so that's the good news. Like if you have a lower mm-hmm. leadership ability, you can learn and grow, but is there something to be said about an it factor? And here's what I kind of mean by that. So like some people have it and some don't, it's kind of like some leaders when they speak. Um, I used to have a boss that when he would come into the room, he may have shown up 15 minutes late. It didn't matter. When he started speaking, everyone was engaged. Mm-hmm. Then you could have somebody that's well-studied, well-versed. They come in and they they get like nothing. It's like mm-hmm. there's like no connection. Have you noticed that at all? Or mm-hmm. is that is that tied into this law of the lid or is that different? I would say it is to a degree. And I'm throwing it's you a like, curveball here. Yeah, so, it's yeah. like in my... In my opinion, I think, well, I think naturally some people are better at things than other people. Some people are better wired for different things than other people. So it's like, do I think some people are just naturally wired to be better leaders than some people? Like, I do think that, yes, like some, like it's not, like we're not all born the same, you know, so so that is definitely a thing. But I also am a, am a believer that everyone can still get better. 
you know, like, hey, maybe right now you're a terrible leader, but, you know, if you put in some work on it, maybe you'll be a, an all right leader. And then you're putting some work on it and then you'll be a pretty good leader. And, you know, you may not ever get to the level of, oh, my gosh, like this guy is the most magnetic leader. I would follow him everywhere. But like everyone can improve from where they are at. So, so, yeah, anyone can raise their lid. We're not all going to work our way into a TED talk, though unfortunately. So <laughs> just not how life works. So when you work with entrepreneurs, do you notice more it, when an entrepreneur is successful or when you, when you meet them, mm -hmm. is it more on the person or the, I guess the co-founders or what have you, or the product, or when you meet them, can you just get a feeling if it's going to work or their idea and how much is it on this lid or mm -hmm. this I don't know. Do you know what I'm saying? Like how much of it's on them versus the product? Like, can you tell when something's going to take off, even if it isn't yet? It's like, that's a, that's a trickier question. Like, I don't think I've reached a level to, to confidently say, oh yes, I, I knew, I know for sure. But I will say usually the people that succeed, I would say the main, the one trait that I would say people that succeed usually have is they're the type of people that they're doers. It's kind of like they have the, the idea and you see they're already going on Google to learn the things that they don't know. They're trying this, they're trying that. Usually it's those people that I feel like, okay, it's probably gonna be a real thing because you're already taking action. I would say the you know, the people that usually it's like, oh, I don't really see, you know, this going to like too far as if maybe you have the mindset of, oh, well, I don't know. I don't know this thing. And let me just wait for someone to tell me the answers of what to do and stuff. And so I feel like, I don't think that to me, from what I've noticed is directly related to the law of the lid necessarily. It's more, I feel like people with a lot of personal personal proactiveness or all kind of the people that that really you know they'll figure it out they're expert figure it outers <laughs> that's how i would describe it okay yeah so when you kind of hit a wall or your growth stops it's like mm -hmm. okay this person is gonna have the i guess personality or the will to push through it even mm -hmm. if it's uh, a journey yeah no for sure do you have anything else you want to uh, say on the law of the litter or anything else you want to add before yeah. I move on? No, yeah. Like I would just encourage anyone listening that, hey, you want to do entrepreneurship, just know that, well, not just business, but life in general, it's a lifelong learning journey. And and that directly correlates to the law of the lid is you truly are the limit. Like you truly are the limit. Like a team is not going to get do better than its coach you know it, it may do good for a little bit because of a star player but at the end of the day like it all always goes back to leadership and and who's you know leading the team and i think we all owe it to ourselves we owe it to our fellow team members especially if you also own the business like you you have people counting on that business like you owe it to them to keep growing yourself and keep, you know, getting out of your comfort zone and putting yourself in situations that help you grow. Like there has been times when I felt, oh, 
okay, I realize that I'm thinking too low. So then I need to take the steps to fix that. And there's been times when it's like, okay, I am out of my depths here because I don't know anything about this subject, this subject, and this subject. It's like, okay, well, I could just say that or I could actually make the effort to go do it because then, and yeah, and that's how like the, the funny thing, just like as the business is growing and then as I'm also growing and that has helped me keep things growing because if you're not growing, you'll, we all really do have a limit. The good news is that limit can change if you put in the work. So. Well, I think one thing uh, people don't know about business or they, you know, they just kind of say, oh, that's business or whatever. But like you, especially if you're a leader, you can grow personally with the business. It's not like they're mutually Mm -hmm. exclusives. Like you might grow in your leadership role, for example, but you're also can grow as a person. So the business helps you Mm -hmm. do that. So we often, often people think of a business as separate from personal or it's, Mm -hmm. it's, I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. No, that that is definitely very true. Like, yeah, I've grown a lot of uh, as a person from running Action VFX and running a team. I've yeah, I've been tested more. I know more of what I'm made of. My character has been through it. I have yeah, like I feel like I've improved in a lot of ways. One of the most the funniest ways that I've improved is something I always say is I'm a lot less lazy than when I was younger, <laughs> and. And I mean that in the sense that anything that I'm passionate about, I would always work hard at it and never sleep. So I never struggled with that, but I definitely struggled with doing things that I don't feel like doing. Like then I'm like the laziest person on the planet. And in order for this business to be successful, I've definitely been forced to get a lot more disciplined over the years. And, and yeah, it's like the discipline I've, the growth and discipline I've had alone is, is worth the journey because being able to get yourself to do things that you know you must do, even if you don't want to do it, it's like that skill alone will apply to so many different areas of life and it will benefit you a ton. Yeah, agreed. Uh, I think there, there's a book out there, you know, the strengths finder or whatever, but I'm like, they need to write the weaknesses attacker because <laughs> the strengths finder is easy. If you find out what your passions and your strengths are, it's easy to have energy towards that. But then mm-hmm. when the things that in a business or your personal life that you're not good at, it's easy to kind of not put the effort in or it's harder. It's much harder mm-hmm. to put the effort into those. So yeah. totally agree. Uh, you should do that. You should do that. What, right? The weaknesses attacker? Yeah. All right. It might violate copyright. I'm not sure if I'm stealing someone else's idea, but we'll see. So I feel like that would benefit people, especially for new founders, maybe because the way I see weaknesses, and the goal is that always to fix your weaknesses. Well, usually it's not to fix your weaknesses. It's almost to outsource them. Yeah. Yeah. I do want to know because that's the whole team dynamic like teams work because you have people that have strengths that you don't don't have and people that love doing things that you absolutely hate you know it's like there's some you know team members I've hired that loves what they're doing and you know I'm always just like man good for you because wow like I don't know what I would do if that if I had to do this, but someone would literally love the thing you hate the most. And that's just so cool to me. 
Yeah, I love dealing with like spreadsheet data. Like if there's just numbers all over spreadsheets and you need to make sense of it. And some people look at that and they're like, that's the last thing I want to do. Yeah. And so that's for whatever reason, I could get lost in a data set for days. And some people, that's the last thing on earth they would want to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. All right. Well, um, I guess that's that really wraps up uh, what I wanted to talk about was kind of mention this law of the lid, talk about action VFX. Taking us out, what's the coolest movie you've had your work displayed in yeah it's like i would say the coolest so far had to be avengers endgame because i mean that's like i mean i think that's still the number one movie of all time or something and and yeah being a huge mcu fan as well it was just really cool like they used you know some of our explosions and stuff in the last battle scene last big big fight scene and yeah, like that was a very cool moment to to be watching that. And it's like, oh wait, I know this this explosion. It's like that's that's ours and stuff. So so that was very satisfying. But I mean, we've used on on a lot of things these days, and I always draw a blank whenever I get asked that question. But I know we're in Spider-Man: Far From Home. We were in the Jumanji movies with The Rock and. You know, a lot of Netflix, Netflix shows, Netflix movies and stuff and some video games as well, like we've been used in, I would say every Call of Duty game since like 2017. So that's been cool, cool to see as well. So, so yeah, like, I mean, everyone does, everyone can use our products. So it's not just solely professionals, but it's, uh, it's been, it's been really cool. Like, it's always great to see someone use what we create too make something cool because you know we don't make the effects and for people to not use them so whenever someone can use it and actually benefit from it whether they get a more realistic result or it just helps them work faster than they would have it's always very satisfying all right well thanks for taking the time again to talk about entrepreneurship this law of the lid action vfx and uh i look forward to seeing you soon i'll be one of the founders meetings coming up so hey sweet no thank you for having me brad this was this was really this was really cool let's do it again sometime all right sounds good take care bro thank you you too thanks for listening to our law of the lid conversation until next time